This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. It's Jordan Owandi as usual. Um, today, we have a special guest in the house. Um, some might call her a a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> some might call her a jack of all trades. Some might call her a fashion designer. Some might call her an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Some might call her revolutionary. Um, so I'm going to let her decide what she wants to be called. Um, Anne-Marie Bustamante. Welcome to Everyday Celebrity. Oh, that's very nice. Bustamante. Bustamante. Yes. Okay. How are um, you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to get you on the show is because, uh, well... I was linked to you by one of your friends, mm. and they basically told me that you are an interesting person to talk to. And then I researched. I, well, I didn't research you, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I looked at your fucking um, your Facebook. Oh and yeah, and there's a lot of things going on, and you seem like you have a lot of shit to talk about. I do. So. Uh, I don't know where to start. Where- <laughs> um, so, who is the mysterious person? That's we're not, we're not going to get into that. Wow! But um, you are from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Yeah, I'm from Oak. <laughs> I'm from Vallejo, oh. and I went to college in San Francisco, and I left the city after college. Uh, traveled a lot, lived in Asia. And then when I came back, SF was horrifyingly expensive. I mean, Oakland was too, but there was just no way. So mm. I was forced into Oakland and I love, like, I love the art scene. It's almost like everyone's been kind of, you know, transplanted out of the city and all over the world, really. But. Yeah. So would you, would you consider yourself an artist? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, even growing up, just I knew I had a lot of positive reinforcement Mm. from my parents. My mom's a teacher. So just like everything, like, creative and imaginative, I was super, like, um, reaffirmed, if you will, by my parents. So Uh. I've always been down to kind of, like, break the mold and be different. And that in itself is art, you know? Did you go to school for art? Mm-hmm. I went to SF State um, in the apparel design and merchandising department. And yeah, the network out there was amazing. Yeah? Yeah. Did you go to SF State? I did not. No. Why okay. would you ask me that? I don't know. I thought you did. You, you thought you saw me on a campus or something? Mm, no. <laughs> I watched five episodes. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, did my I, I, research. This is the number one podcast. Of in the course. Bay Area. Yeah, no, I've been an avid listener for years. 
<laughs> but <laughs> uh, but no, no, I never went to uh, SS. I used to work there. Ah, that's what it was. Yeah. that sucks. I'm sorry. That might have been. No, yeah. we were very clean. We cleaned up when we left. Uh-huh. You, no, no, you didn't clean. You did. Let's see. Let's see if I can do. You did maintenance. Yeah. 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 Still sorry. That's enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> So you graduated when? When did you graduate? I graduated in 2014. Um, a lot of the art majors at SF State were impacted. So if you miss one class, like you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Were you like strictly about business when you were in college? Not or were you like a little wild child? Wild child. Like very like Catholic raised. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> I already know what type of girl you are. <laughs> um, Undercover freak. Oh, outer cover but um Mm. and then in high school i was a track star so i was straight edge you know yeah until i stopped running because i don't want to compromise my game you know yeah that's why i never uh like smoked and shit because i was really into like basketball and shit Mm -hmm. good for you so um sf state was so you you enjoyed that school yeah i lived in the dorms the first year and it was amazing. The like, dorm, or, which, uh, oh, the dorm dorms, not the like the towers nope. and like all that shit. The tiny closet room. Um, you're forced kind of out of your room into the living room to hang out with everyone and just the entire floor. It was beautiful because we kind of had rivalries between the different floors. Uh-huh. And the best part, besides like the entire floor, would go out to parties together and come back and like all different types of people. Um, we would steal the furniture from other floors, like and hoard all the couches through the elevators. And it was, yeah, it was just amazing. Mm. Are um, you still cool with your homegirls from college? Yeah. Um, my brand made it to our first fashion week this year. Mm. And we were allowed, it was so lucky, we were allowed to choreograph um, like the runway. And my college dorm mate from the first year of college, she's a rap artist and a singer in Sacramento. And she was able to perform whilst we had our first fashion week. So it was kind of like this molding of all the different worlds. A bunch of people from college modeled in it. And it was just incredible. Drea, just Drea. She's an amazing musician. She's up and coming. Okay. Shout out to just Drea. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're a fashion designer. Um, mm-hmm. what's the name? So you have a brand? Oh yeah. What's the name of your, your fashion? Casually line? Uncommon. Casually Uncommon. Mm-hmm. And so describe your, your clothing. Like what? Yeah. What type so of shit you make? Funky, wild, loud, um, in your face, expressive, kinky, uh, vintage inspired, psychedelic. And the main thing with us is that we're 100% sweatshop free. So we're dedicated to hopefully soon uh, manufacturing right here in Oakland and, you know, paying the seamstresses right, treating everyone with respect, you know, how it should be. Yeah. And the other half of it is that a lot of our fabric that we use is repurposed. So couches, curtains, pillows, old clothes, everything is kind of like brought to new life versus fast fashion where you wear it once and then it's just like gone. I'm trying to create, or I am creating clothing that people treasure and they care about and they can wear for a while. So where is your clothing made now? So right now it's just me, my two co-designers and one intern and it's all us. 
So I mean, I'm saying, do you make it out like your house or something? Yep. I'm lucky enough to live in an artist warehouse loft. So I have my own sewing studio, like right in my house. Is that like, uh, do you guys, do, are you guys able to handle like the orders and shit? Oh, yeah. So yeah, we just don't do that mass of orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard in and of itself because then I'm not making, we're not, you know, collecting the monetary amounts that we could if we were bigger. So I drive for Lyft, like I do um, sewing lessons, I teach sewing and acting. There's like a lot of things to kind of juggle just to stay afloat yeah. in the Bay. But as we grow, I would love to like just pass it off to manufacturing and then, you know, expand. Mm-hmm. When did you, when was your first uh, fashion show? My first fashion show was in college. Um, they hooked us up with these amazing uh, venues. The The SF Design Center is this massive, like, six-story, windowed-out, incredible room. And that was my senior collection, and I did metal swimwear. It was, like, kind of a Xena the Warrior Princess. Um, I used to love that show. Prince, Princess Leia. Oh, it was <laughs> such a good show. I didn't, have, I didn't have cable. That was the only yeah. show I was able to watch. Oh, it was a beautiful so many oh, yeah. the lesbians love her yeah oh yeah it's that show started so many <laughs> people to kind of oh i might be lesbian <laughs> <laughs> okay so um i noticed on facebook that you uh your clothing is like uh basically catered to like the lesbian Mm. uh workout clothes or some shit am i right <laughs> lgbtq yeah. yeah so what makes it what the question i have for that mm-hmm. is what makes it or why would you just why would you say just it's for lgbt and just not just like just woman in general do L- mm-hmm. lgbt i mean are you saying that their bodies are like different than <laughs> fucking uh, straight women or what, what no going on? no their bodies are just the same but um it's beautiful to celebrate them and kind of pick and choose and showcase them as our models and them as our brand ambassadors uh-huh. and especially trans women like yeah there's few things more powerful than a trans woman in my opinion are you bisexual i'm queer queer mm-hmm. okay can you explain what um, <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah so queer is this new term and i love the so many new terms <laughs> there are so many genders now mm. um so many expressions so many directions but i like defining it as weird because like i grew up very kind of hyper aware of the differences in how little boys were treated and how little girls are treated so i just like went straight nope i have no gender i am um i guess i did dress like a tomboy but i was kind of like in revolt against all of that um so really showcasing the lgbtq is kind of a love letter to the younger self but queer is i don't care what gender you are you're the same you're gorgeous and i like the different genders for different reasons and there's so many like yeah sexuality is a spectrum and i do think that gender yeah it's gonna be crazy in like 20 50 years when (laughs) when when people are marrying cats and shit (laughs) fucking dogs and it's normal 
Well, if you're talking about furries or the, the proper term is upright, have you ever heard that? No. I they call themselves what? uprights because furry is demeaning. I have a cousin who's a furry. What the he, fuck is a furry? People who uh, have sex with animals? So they themselves identify as animals. See now, some shit, some shit is just getting out of control. So. I think that's better than bestiality. Bestiality, unless you have an animal that can consent, it's like. What if you met someone and they, you were attracted to him, and then he came up to you and then he was like, uh, "I think I'm a panda." I'm open to I it. Identify as a panda, yeah, or a kangaroo. As long as they're a kind person and they're honest and all the good. What things. if he ate like? Uh, like animal food like he didn't sit at the table he like, <laughs> he like sat down with his legs crossed all on the, the floor. time or just when he's comfortable all the time he oh. identified himself as a, like so a kangaroo like at panda. the wedding it would just be <laughs> bamboo <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then when you guys had sex he wanted to be in like a panda suit i mean would you still yeah, date him i'm on board yeah so you're just down whatever you're <laughs> yeah jeez <laughs> all right um so you uh, did fashion. So is fashion your first passion? It's so funny. Drawing was my first passion. And then in middle school, I'm really small, right? So in middle school, I was non-gendered and really small and nothing fit me. Mm -hmm. So it was almost kind of like, oh, I'm going to invent clothing that is very small for someone, for everyone who's having the same problem as me, but that's why the brand is doing a universal size or like interchangeable size or adjustable size. Yeah. Instead of just creating a new category, I'm kind of trying to expand the existing category. Uh -huh. So yeah, art drawing was my first art, but I mean, we did movie making, acting, dancing, like we were very, very lucky growing up. Um, and so, yeah, middle school, I switched to the fashion um, dream, the progression of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are you Jewish? I'm not Jewish. I get that a lot. I'm half Irish, half Central American. So, Salvadoreña and Nicaragüense. Okay. So, when you finished uh, college, mm -hmm. um, where were you working? So... Yeah, having that extra year of college, I was just not wanting to enter the the fashion scene because it's it's hard and it's rough and people are rude and <laughs> it's intense. So I went and taught English in Thailand for a year. And oh, damn, how was that? Oh, incredible! Like absolutely incredible. And yeah, we lived like queens out there, you know. They pay you so much and the cost of living is so low. And I lived like in the countryside and had my own motorbike and like. Yeah, it, you don't, you don't need like a teacher's credential to do that. All you need is to graduate college. And then you take a, you take a course that certifies you with a TEFL. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I had zero teaching experience. My mom's a teacher. So I guess maybe I like osmosis some of that. But yeah, I taught high school. <laughs> <laughs> high school students had what, what made you uh what made you make that decision to leave and teach her to, yeah, like to go to thailand and teach english i wanted to go to thailand for the beaches the food and i kind of had a little bit of um i'm creepy towards asian people when i'm single like i i'm attracted <laughs> to <laughs> not for you <laughs> i mean i'm a man so 
I uh, whenever I think all women should be head over heels for the black man, but <laughs> that makes sense. That's just me. Yeah. No, men and women though. Like I dated everyone in Thailand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. So how long were you in Thailand? So I was out there a year and two months. I had a month vacation before and after my year of teaching. Yeah. <sighs> Anything like any bad experience experiences? <sighs> yeah, because I was very um, free, you could say. Um, there was one night I was in a a club and I was with all the teachers and we were dancing and then there's one guy I was super into, but then he's not really speaking to me. So I'm so, like even more, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wanted to take him home right away. I took him home, but he came with a car full of like six guys, six guys. And I'm like, it's fine. We're fine. It'll be fine. And I take him into my apartment and all the guys are inside and they had some sort of excuse like it's we all shared a car we can't leave him or something we can't wait in the car something like that so there's like five guys in my room and then i take you know the chosen one the chosen one (laughs) the fella i had my eye on into the bathroom and then you know we have fun, but all his friends are outside, like trying to get into the bathroom. Oh God. It's wild. Um, I don't know how much you know about Thailand or don't I know Asian them. countries. They kind of worship light skinned people. It's, it's really intense. Like you can, I got so many marriage proposals out there and just, they kind of sensationalize us, but also sort of, yeah, treat you as a celebrity, you know, just because you're light-skinned and from, you know, somewhere else. Light-skinned or just white? Which one? Um, well, so I don't identify as white. I'm mixed race. But yeah, because I did have some Asian friends out there, and they, yeah, they were not treated the same as I was. I will mm. tell you this. So were these guys trying to, like, get in the uh, yeah, in they all wanted to try to fuck you or something? Yeah, they were all just wanting wanting it at the same time and so we finish and then they all want to spend the night and i sleep there and then one of the guys who isn't the chosen one poor guy i don't even know his name but one of the guys grabs my ass Mm. and i flip out like screaming at him and then i try and grab the chair and get him and then everyone's all it's like a frenzy everyone's freaking out and like trying to protect each other and then the door opens my poor neighbors and like six guys like run out of my room (laughs) why would you well first off if they're trying to break in the break down the bathroom door to fuck you why would you even allow them or feel comfortable allowing them to stay the night like that's, that's a crazy. good point that's a good point you weren't scared of being like gang raped no not by thai people no they're what are you saying thai people don't rape people so i got it yes <laughs> i felt so safe in thailand like i don't know there's some people that might have stories of that and um there are gangs out there but i don't know there's countries where they believe in karma very deeply and just treat each other and foreigners, you know. So after you had sex with the chosen one, you walked out the bathroom, <laughs> and these guys are trying to get in the bathroom. What happened? You no. You were once just I like, once no. I come out, they were like, oh, oh it's over. Oh. Oh. And they stopped, and then everyone went to sleep. And it was it was nice until the one guy 
tried to touch me. Did you, uh, how did he touch? I mean, I know it was he, touched- he grabbed my butt. All of you guys are like laying in the same bed. There were three in the bed, the rest were on the ground. So you and two guys in the bed mm-hmm. and the guy in the bed grabbed your ass. Mm-hmm. How did he get in the bed? He just landed there. That's just where he <laughs> went. I was good. I was ready for sleep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Did you ever see that one guy again? Nope. I was just like, <laughs> they, all, they all like was he a teacher? left in a flurry. No, no. He was just someone from the club. Okay. Yeah. Thailand as well, huh? Where? <laughs> what part of Thailand? I lived in Pechabun, which is in the north. So, like national park, national park, national park, just stunning. Yeah, I want to go to Thailand. You um, will. I, I plan on going in November. Yes. If all this uh, virus shit is over, <sighs> tickets should be cheap. If. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope they're cheap. So you came, uh, your little stint in Thailand mm-hmm. was over. You came back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. or did you like travel around after that? Um, yeah, after Thailand, I did Asia a little bit. And then I have family friends in Palestine. Mm. So I was able to see the Holy Land. And we actually did a photo shoot out there. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like models who don't speak English, um, mm-hmm. Yemenis. And there was one from Syria. So I don't know how, if you follow modeling at all. but um, I don't the best i think are like when there's a lot of emotion in the face it's not just like hot banging bodies it's like a story yeah and you could feel the depth in this woman i'll have to show you the pictures after this but she like had this deep sadness from being you know her family expelled from syria and living in palestine now and not really accepted into israel it's crazy what was the photo shoot for? Like your clothing? Yeah, I did um, evening wear. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So you uh, you traveled around, and when you came back to the states, what was your? Did you have a plan, or you were just like, oh, mm, yeah, just no. gonna float? <laughs> yeah, the plan was to get internships and work retail, and then slowly work my way up. But I can't stand retail. Like it's not. What the fuck? Yeah, no. <laughs> 19 year old only 19 year olds like retail. yeah it's just it's rough i'm the type of person if i'm not doing something like full speed or like you know staying busy and feeling productive then i just like kind of lose it mm. so it, i worked in bridal which was hilarious and really fun um but there was a lot of us just waiting for brides to arrive and i can't like, no i can't you seem like you don't you get the vibe like you don't believe in marriage is that true I believe in marriage. Um, yeah. So I had seven years that I was single and I am you know, a huge. The best years of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Each year gets better and better. Um, but I'm a huge advocate of women and I guess everyone, all the identifiers, really finding yourself and knowing who you are and exploring every single possible potential piece of you before feeling complete in that and then moving on to romancing someone seriously if you choose mm-hmm. um yeah i i've thought of like writing a book about my sexcapades but like tying in some deep messages and like the catholic childhood and all of it so. you do seem like you will be very good to have sex with for some reason <laughs> that's very nice <laughs> thanks it seems like you were like stop in the middle of 
like before you have an orgasm and then stop and then like do some like spiritual shit <laughs> and then be like, okay, now it's time for the orgasm. <laughs> it's important. Magic is key. Yeah. So uh, this tiny, um, mm-hmm. this tiny house thing. What's what's going on with this? Explain this. Yeah. Oh, it's. Well, I mean, wild. Just, like, explain it to the people. Give me the yeah. the whole story, like mm-hmm. from the beginning. From the beginning. Yes. <sighs> okay, so it started in November, and it's crazy. I decided that I wanted the brand to be able to offer just gigs or jobs for unhoused people. And the first person that Are I... Are you saying like homeless people? Yeah, unhoused people, houseless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first person that we offered a job to, he did catering for one of our photo shoots. And it was amazing. It was like Italian. It was perfect. And fast forward to... A couple months ago, he got in a car accident, and then I ended up in phone conversation with his daughter and sort of pointing her in the way of resources and, you know, helping her out emotionally and all this. Turns out, not only did we go to the same high school, but she was in track with me, and she ran with me every single day for two years, like six miles every day. We'd just be running and talking, you know? Mm -hmm. Her dad was this unhoused man, and so the first person, it's kind of like a stars are aligned feeling, the first person that we helped is super connected to me without, like, without me even knowing that. So it's almost like everyone that I help we're all together. We're all connected. It's this beautiful and a moving thing, but he's okay. He was in a car accident. He's okay. And he's getting released this week and hopefully we can help him out with, if not a up to code tiny home, but a burning man style hexayurt. But yeah, this started, I'm a big, um, I'm deeply involved in like housing politics and tenants rights and, uh, there's a thread on tank tenants and neighborhood council for unhoused aid. And I was in there a little bit getting to know them and this COVID thing happened. And usually I make most of my money driving Lyft. So I drive like everywhere all day. And because things were slowing down, I was only making like $4 an hour, you know? (laughs) So I, same thing. I needed to feel productive. I needed to, have worth. So I just posted online. Um, oh, what it was, was there was a, a homelessness town hall and I went to different encampments and I was meeting people and saying, Hey, does anyone want to come? I'll drive you to the town hall so you can give the mayor a piece of your mind kind of thing. And only one unhoused person was into it. And he's Bill. He's our, um, he's our neighbor who comes every day to the dumpster to get the bottles and the Vulcan lofts, we like take care of him, we feed him and we, all of that. But anyways, I am going to the different encampments and meeting people and figuring out, I would just like write down lists of what they need. And so I got to know them and eventually I got connected with Nita, the founder of the village. Have you ever heard of the village? No. It's incredible. So they're a grassroots org and a pre-nonprofit and they're out of this world. Not only does she um, 
Did she implement 27 encampments in Oakland? Like she found the land, brought people there and helped them self-govern themselves. But she is like co-governing all of them all at once and brings them tiny homes once like enough time has passed and they kind of prove their worth to her. And so she, we got linked up and she got us connected with 12 people, 12 families to receive the first tiny homes. We randomly decided to do tiny homes because I was just doing aid. And there's a lot of people in my building who are artists. And one guy, he's an architect and he's like, oh, we could easily make tiny homes. Like, let's just raise some money and do it. And I'm like, okay. And we did because everyone's out of work. Like, we're all artists. We're not like the entertainment industry is cut, you know, (laughs) (laughs) the Lift is not happening. Uh, there's a lot of musicians, yep. set builders. There's a set builder union at my building. So they're all just passing their time uh-huh. making these homes. So when you create a tiny home, like, can you just put a fucking tiny home anywhere you want? It's really cool. So there's a, there's a rhyme and reason to it. Anything that's non-Oakland land, which is anything under the freeway, like freeway overpasses, and... Between the Caltrain and the BART tracks on this chunk of Oakland going down from west to east, um, kind of near Alameda, a lot of unclaimed parcels exist. So if you put up to code or even just ordinary shelters or tiny homes there, the police cannot mess with them. So... Nita has found this out and is just so she's on it about placing people. And it's really, it's beautiful. How do you, how do you go about finding out uh, what's, what land is free and not, or not? She looks it up online and there's certain websites you can use, but I think, yeah, state land is up for grab Caltrain land. All of that is fine because the state never really gets involved in Oakland politics in that way. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a public city park, then the police will likely come and like relocate you and steal all your stuff. But um yeah, the state never does anything according to her. So you guys make these houses, right? Mm-hmm. And then you find a place to put them. Mm-hmm. How do you choose the person who gets the house? Yeah. So we left it up to Nita. She has people who've been on a long list for a while and the priority goes to, um, women and elderly people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> this whole COVID nineteen shit is going on, right? So, mm-hmm. um, how do you? F- what do you feel about? Because you know how Gavin Newsom has all these uh, hotels, mm-hmm. like they bought like thousands of the over like seven thousand hotel rooms to house the homeless yeah and then there's a shit ton of homeless people who refuse to go to these hotels oh how do you feel about that i think if they were living in a shelter or a tiny home and they didn't feel secure that when they come back all their stuff's gonna be there i i sympathize with them um and it's tricky the wording of these laws and bills like San Francisco didn't even allow or enforce that unhoused folks would go into their hotels until the 28th of this month. So they had like a whole month and I don't, I don't know SF unhoused 
community as mo- as much as I do Oakland. But usually in SF, I'll see people just on their own with like no house, just kind of like barely a tent kind of situation. Um, so I think they would need it much more than the Oakland. I mean, there's definitely high risk people or like elders out here, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, only a few of them are getting let in the hotels and it's like. Well, let me play it. Let me play those advocate and say. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's say for the people who tell you this, mm-hmm. okay, we're giving you, you've been homeless, right? For like months and months and months. You're living on a street, you're dirty, you stink, you never took a shower, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> we're offering you a hotel room with a nice bed instead of you laying on the concrete, mm-hmm. covers, warmth, mm-hmm. food, and you refuse it because you don't want to leave behind your tent full of like uh like basically basically shit mm-hmm. like bunch of stuff that you just found on the street that you're just hoarding <laughs> so when people say that you say what i would say because honestly there mm-hmm. are even before this shit even happened mm-hmm. there is there's a lot of homeless programs out there that get homeless people off the street mm-hmm. blah 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 but a lot and in shelters yeah but uh homeless people there's a shit ton of homeless people that refuse to help because those ru- those uh programs have rules mm-hmm. like and the number one rule is you can't be in this shelter and do drugs and mm-hmm. a lot of these motherfuckers don't want to go to the shelter because they want to stay on the street and do drugs mm-hmm. well i would say if it's fair for a rich person to do drugs, like why can't the unhoused do it? Like who are we to say? I mean, there's a lot of mental illness and there's a lot of drug abuse and trauma. They all but go you hand can't, in hand. You can't. You can't. Um, you mm-hmm. can't compare. I mean, you can compare, but you can't put mental illness on every homeless person who does drugs. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are homeless who just do drugs just to do it. They're not mentally ill whatsoever. Yeah. But addiction is an illness, I think. Okay. Yeah. But it's also like, okay, so after the hotels, what's the plan? You know, they're not going to live there forever. I had a passenger from the Philippines, and before the COVID thing, I would just, like, talk about homelessness all the time because I was just exciting that everything was happening. Um, He said in the Philippines, in Manila, in one of the most populous places in the world, um, the government just bought this massive apartment complex and instead of having i'm sure they had like you know therapists and job training and such but instead of having the intense rules it was kind of like a housing first plan where not only are they renting these super affordable places but they own them so we're giving them that dignity we're giving them a chance to like feel sound you know Mm -hmm. um i think that would do really well here because you heard that for every homeless person there's four vacant houses that are just sitting and they're waiting for the price to go up i'm happy that the well no i'm not happy that the COVID stuff is happening but it is cool that the housing bubble has finally burst we've been waiting (laughs) a long time (laughs) yeah well i'm hoping that um that and then with the um, tenants opportunity to purchase act brought by Mo- moms for housing 
with that, if a landlord sells their building, instead of them trying to flip it, they have to offer it at market value to the tenants. So that, I think, if we can keep that, there's a lot of opposition, namely uh, the person that owns this building. <laughs> but uh, And my building, too. It's not just you. It's all of us. There's like 30 buildings. But um, We'll get into that later. Yeah. Once the tenants are in less fear of being displaced, I think homelessness is going to go way down. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the majority of Oakland. You ask them, they're Oakland natives. Like, they're not, you know, like San Francisco where they're shuttled on a bus from somewhere else. Yeah. A lot of them were here and had housing and just shit went wrong. Have you ever visited a homeless encampment? Oh, yeah. Um, the first... The first tiny home space, I got very close with all of them. And, oh, it's so cool. I'm part of this. Um, it's a mask-making charity called Masquerade Masks. And the founder, she kind of talked with me and dissected my dreams for fashion and my brand. One of the dreams is to be able to pay unhoused people to model the clothes and, like, pay them like the, as if they're supermodels, you know, like, treat them right, give them that... Um, kind of boost of confidence and also have that on their portfolio and resume so they can just keep going. So uh, Keikai, who is a Hawaiian uh, unhoused tenant of King's Landing, the first encampment that we served, he is so going to model. King's Landing is not the Game of Thrones. King's Landing. No, it's named after it, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was, that was stupid. Uh, whatever, keep going. Yeah, so... I was so excited that morning where I could like go up and tell him, Hey, I've actually got a job for you because I'd promised like the whole concept of what we're doing apart from the first 12 tiny homes is to find who is artist, who has the talent and how can we like help you grow in the same way that like we understand marketing or trade or service industry and like plug you into our networks. Cause if they have that hope, it's such a different trajectory. So when you talk to these homeless people, what do you um, what do you think the number one reason is that uh, they're in that situ- they're in the situation that they're in? Formerly incarcerated is like felons and shit can't get a job. Mm-hmm. Can't get a job, and then the first man that I mentioned, my friend's dad, son. His name is Sun. Um, he is in a very wild situation where he was in prison when he was in his 30s. And then something happened maybe 15 years ago. And he's an immigrant. He's from Vietnam. He's lived here probably 40 years. Once you have that, it might have been his third strike. I don't know how many strikes. But once the government decides that we don't want you in our country anymore, they just strip you of your citizenship. So not only is he formerly incarcerated, but he doesn't have, like, he has Social Security, but he doesn't have a green card. So most jobs, like... How the fuck is that possible? Yeah, it's crazy. When you go to jail, they give you Social Security. In America? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, loophole, but still (laughs) fucked up. All right. Yeah, so, and then his other option, right, would be go back to Vietnam. Nope, the country won't take him. So he's kind of in this just floating. Um, but didn't they change the law where you're you're not allowed to ask on an application, are you a felon or not? 
Did they? I think so. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, that law is that's law that law has been passed like I think like two years ago. Oh, sweet. That's I good. think I don't know. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that they uh -huh. changed that where you are not allowed to ask how you I think are it depends on the job, like federal, I would imagine, still. Cause when the COVID when the shelter in place happened, I applied for like ten jobs <laughs> like seven are jobs in one day. No, but I do remember checking that I've never gone to prison. So mm. I think maybe I could have withheld that information and said yeah, you no. Probably could have. But they can choose that as a reason not to hire you, you know? Well, then you have a lawsuit on your hands. Oh, but if you have money and time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, uh, you worked with a lot of homeless people. You have this whole tiny house thing. Mm -hmm. And you're currently building that tiny house. Did you finish this yeah. tiny house? Yeah. Number two. So number one is finished. We have to go back and fix her lock because someone messed with it. Um, and she's going to paint Starry Night on the front of it. Mm -hmm. um, Who are the people you are working with to build these tiny houses? It's just people from my building. The village has some very skilled um, builder volunteers. The one guy was a physics professor at Laney College. The other guy was a tiny home class professor, you know. Mm. So they they have the plans. And then our builders, they're like carpenters of all levels, mostly um, set builders, you know, for Live Nation and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> 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 so when you build these tiny houses, <laughs> do you fucking put like stoves? What goes in the house? I wish. So each tiny home is around $1,500. It's, it's just four walls and a roof. That's it? It's, nothing inside? So, yeah, there's nothing inside. They have their own furniture. But um, there's either two windows and one door or two doors and one window because that's the fire code. Mm -hmm. And it has the nice roof, um, the sheetrock inside. It's usually raised. Yeah, they have to be raised up on a platform for it to be up to code because the rats. Um, and yeah, locking door. And then I keep a key of all of them just in case. Have you ever thought about living in one of these tiny houses that you're building? Not in an encampment. But um, there's, my friend proposed this the other day. Apparently it's free if you're on a boat in certain areas of the bay. Mm -hmm. So he was thinking about getting like a giant like aircraft carrier size boat and then creating like a little intentional village on top of it. <laughs> I'm gonna just stop you there. That shit would never happen. No. An aircraft carrier? In Vallejo it would. Fuck, in Vallejo they have all those boats just sitting there. No one does anything. In the Carquina Street. I don't think you realize how big an aircraft carrier is. That's true, is. you're right. Okay, so And the fact that you would never be able to you would never be able to buy an aircraft carrier. Yeah, so, not a healthy one, not one that's like not even a healthy one. You would never be able to buy an air I'm, so I'm just gonna ruin your plan right now. You would never be able to it buy it. It would be cheaper than buying land. Well actually land's not no, terrible. No, not no one. Really? An aircraft carrier? <laughs> <laughs> if you have 30 do people. Do you know what an aircraft carrier is? Super, it's for airplanes. Yeah. Super wide. Them shits are like billions and billions of dollars <sighs> just to build. Dang. Well, no, not build. We wouldn't build. But you're saying it would be more expensive. What if they have an old sitting one that no one's using? No. They're trying to the get The old sitting ones, they sell to to China and like <sighs> other countries. Yeah, they can deconstruct it. Yeah. So Sad. That's, that's, don't think about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so you are <clears throat> going through a uh, situation with your 
housing, right? Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. So a year ago, we raised $50,000 for our lawyer. Um, wait, 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 start from the beginning. Once start upon a time, yes. I moved into the Vulcan Lofts. And where are the Vulcan Lofts located? So they're in the Fruitvale District, in the very industrial Where's section the of- dist- You got to talk like- People, ah, people all over the world oh, yes. are going to be listening. So, to this. Vulcan Lofts is located in a very industrial area of Oakland. It's um, Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's in between the two Barts. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, slumlord landlords—they won't fix anything. They're harassing people to leave. What they were trying to do is sell our building, and mm-hmm. then. It needs roofing repairs that they Who owns the building? John Protopapis of Madison Park Financial. What's his name again? John Protopapis. John Protopapis? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, he used to be a musician, and now really? he owns- And he owns what? He owns Madison Park Financial, so it's 30 properties between here and Oregon, and they make a profit of $2 million a month. And why are they trying to get rid of uh, the people in Vulcan Lost? So they were pretty much just trying to flip the property. Mm-hmm. Um, so the property is like, there's there's more damage than there is. Uh, so yeah, there's a $4 million uh, roofing repair job. That and they, they don't are, want to pay that. Mm-hmm. Right, so they're trying to sell the building. Mm-hmm. Okay. On Zillow. And they can't sell the building with residents inside. So right? And with an active rent control case, they can't sell it. And no one's going to buy it. <laughs> that building is rent controlled? We are pre-rent control. So we're in court proceedings. Who knows when the courts will open back up. But we have two more court cases um, until we know whether or not we're rent controlled. So is the landlord like off, uh, like sending you guys like letters offering you guys, like I'll pay you this amount to move out? They were going to get to that level, but you have to sell it first. Once the building is sold, then they buy you out and people can choose whether or not. I thought it was like the other way around. Like, cause no one wants to buy a building and go through the hassle trying to get. Oh, I see what you're and saying. And trying to get people out. So people, landlords will rather offer you money to move out so they can have an empty building mm. because no one wants to buy a building and do, deal with the oh, hassle yeah. of trying trying to get people out yeah so that's when we started our rent control case uh-huh. once we had that and we were in court and i don't know how deeply these prospective buyers were watching but it's like the rent control case dropped the building's price like <laughs> yeah. six million dollars it felt so good <laughs> <laughs> Damn. yeah but you know like mentally unstable uh property managers just like just terrible terrible tactics and as it was listed on zillow for 17 million dollars they wrote in there we have found a way for when you buy it you can pass the four million dollar roofing repair onto the tenants and it's completely it's kosher it's legal, yeah, yeah i mean it's you, fine. you know um they can do that right because it's, it's considered crazy. it's considered um Re- renovation yeah renovation Damn. whenever whenever there's uh, something that's going on with the building mm-hmm. they can um the landlord can basically basically he would pay for the roof to get fixed and mm. then he can raise the price of the rent to pay for that roof to get fixed because it's considered reno- uh, renovation. That is, it's considered helping the building. That's basically helping the tenants. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's all the all types of uh, ways they can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they can only raise the rent um, like a certain amount. They thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's what you're dealing with. 
Mm-hmm. And what's the what's the like the status of that? So we're in limbo, waiting for the the courts to open back up. But I feel very good. Like once I entered the civil suit, so many more protections opened up for me. So pretty much anything that the landlords or the new property manager does towards me, you got some nice birds. I got some crazy fucking birds. <laughs> it's the springtime they're they're like roosters like when i wake up in the Aww. morning they're like chirping and shit i'm like god i'm trying to find out where that nest is <laughs> oh no <laughs> but anyway terrible. so yeah anything they do um harmful or negative towards me is in the realm of retaliation mm-hmm. so they are treating me so nice now and you know, if they do anything harsh to me, they'll just have to pay me more later. So it's kind of like this beautiful power for the first time. You know, I mean, the rent control case, I felt powerful, but with, I have three lawyers now and it's not just, it's like 20 of us. It just, it feels great. Are you trying to stay in the building? Yeah. I want to stay there until I own property somewhere. Um, it's incredibly affordable and it's, what how much do you pay? You so know. I share a room with my partner and I pay five seventy a month. And it's gorgeous. It's like And it's a loft? It's huge. Yeah. So we have like a living room downstairs and then we have a bedroom upstairs. And so he has his um kind of office over here and then I have my sewing studio. And yeah. It's And you pay five that's your half? Mm-hmm. And he pays mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. And there's a lot of struggling artists in the building, so it's it's crucial that we keep this because without this, they're going to get displaced like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like the ringleader of the, of the building? I'm not the ringleader. I'm the ringleader of the tiny houses and the ringleader of being angry at the landlords. But there were a lot of people that um, worked on the GoFundMe and kind of advocated for each other and taught everyone now but now there's a there's a huge uh, tenants organizing uprising because of covid and all the protections that we have and that part yeah with, i wanted to ask you I mean, yeah. are you guys are paying are you guys paying rent nope Definitely so you haven't not. you haven't uh, you haven't paid rent for this month no i can't afford <laughs> like i'm not no, i'm saying but it's, is it is it uh i don't know what the law is right now are is mm-hmm. the lawn in the bay area where you if you are affected by covid then and anyone can say they're affected by COVID, right? Yes, and then you don't have to prove that until they take you to eviction court. So we have people striking in solidarity. We have people who straight just can't. I'm I'm still waiting for unemployment, mm-hmm. and I haven't got my stimulus. You know, um, there are people that are struggling really hard. And should we buy food or should we pay our rent? Yeah, yeah. Well, didn't they make it a law to where like um, a rent freeze? What I'm hoping is that the governor creates full rent com- rent forgiveness for the entire year, and this is possible. It's been proposed. So think, rent forgiveness and, and mortgage forgiveness. Of course not, because people want their money. Yeah, because first of all, I'm, I'm play devil's advocate. Sure. Again. Yeah. So you don't pay rent, but what about? the people who own the building they still have to pay rent on the building not and property if tax not if the mortgage is frozen and property tax yes they do have to pay that yeah so unless you're gonna unless you're gonna like freeze everything i don't think that's gonna happen yeah. okay you can't say you can't sit here and say it's it's against the law to charge the renters rent 
mm-hmm. but then turn around and say, oh, but you still have to pay your mortgage every month for owning the property. No, if you're going to say the renters mm-hmm. don't have to pay rent, then you got to say, I don't have to pay. I don't have to pay my mortgage and I don't have to pay my property tax. Now, if all of those things happen, mm-hmm. then that's fine. But you can't, you can't have one without the other. That's unfair. Is it unfair? If you yeah, look at the, unfair. if you look at the socioeconomic status of renters versus property owners, but still, it's completely I, different. I Especially, own a building and oh, I'm not saying no, 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 I'm, I don't own a building. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being devil's advocate. If oh, I own, oh if, sorry, sorry. If I own a building, yes. right, and you're renting a space mm-hmm. in my building, mm-hmm. this COVID thing happens, right? Yeah. It's not my fault the COVID thing happens, obviously. It's like something that we mm-hmm. can't control. Mm-hmm. Now, the government says, okay, since you rent, you don't have to pay rent. Okay, so you don't have to pay rent, but I still have to pay the mortgage. I still have to pay the uh, fucking... Um, utility bills on the building mm-hmm. blah 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 so how how can you say oh this person doesn't have to pay rent but i still have to pay all this that's you don't think so that's unfair the majority of mortgages are frozen it depends and i thought it was a hundred percent but it's not true there's a certain companies and certain banks that aren't freezing mortgages right now but the majority of california they don't have to pay anything so why would we pay them rent if they don't have to pay mortgages. I understand the taxes, but I'm sure there's going to be like, check this box if COVID has affected your business. This, you yeah. know. I just say, if you're going to freeze one, freeze all that shit. You know what I'm saying? But then again, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are, uh, there's a lot of laws that are freezing. Okay, the renters don't have to pay rent for three months. Mm-hmm. But then after the three months, you have to pay those three months back. It's true. Unless we have the rent forgiveness. And a lot of the tenants unions are pushing for that. And even if we don't get that, all of my habitability issues, all of like the broken oven, the drain not working, the there's so much. They fixed that like in this last week. You know, once you withhold rent, you have so much power. Yeah. What would you say if your landlord said, oh, you can live here for a year for free, but you just got to like get that pussy up? <laughs> no i'm gonna live here for free anyway yeah. well, a lot of, i heard a lot of, a lot of landlords are are doing that have you heard are that? you serious yeah you don't read the news like there's a lot of landlords news. who are like saying yo what? you gotta give me that pussy if you know if you ain't paying rent you gotta give me that pussy there's a, there's a lot of articles no about, yeah, so it's going crazy. in california no, in, uh, new york oh well new york's a shit show right now of course <sighs> but yeah um yeah i'm thinking about uh i'm not thinking about i'm not gonna talk about me my <laughs> no 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 I'm good. you but, get a rent strike join us madison park tenants union i know you just moved here and you don't have any grievances you're a hard sell <laughs> <laughs> but i'll talk you know to your, your neighbors do you know your manager uh your building manager yeah danny danny's chill oh so he's not, he's not like, oh, you guys, he's not like knocking on your guys' door like, oh, where's the rent and all that shit? No, and they legally can't. So but like long- I said, I have extra protections because of the civil suit. So yeah, yeah. they do harass other tenants. So what do you think um, is going to happen um, in the near future with the housing and COVID-19? <sighs> yeah. Um, like I said, I'm just going to keep manifesting one-year rent forgiveness for everyone who lost their job or couldn't work because of COVID. And 
it would be beautiful if all of these vacant homes can just be opened up to Oakland natives or people that are from here and struggling. And, you know, small business owners are going to be really hurting in this next year. The people that make Oakland real is like, they're the ones we need to protect. Okay, that's all fairy tales. But <laughs> let's, let's talk about realistic Sure, shit. sure. Um, what do you think realistically is going to happen? I am going to manifest that we no, are no, no, forgiveness. No, 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 that is manifest. realistic. Like, we can happen you it. Re- you say it and it'll come. I do that That's all the exactly. time. This I did that for the tiny houses. This world is full of like greedy people, capitalists, capitalists, mm-hmm. and all that. All it's all about money. Like, so what do you really think is going to happen? I after? do think that one will really happen. But the rest of us, at least at the least, like glass lowest half full, we will get all of our habitability issues sorted, and we're gonna have this massive network of all the tenants of this major company connected now so if we have any kind of grievances like any tenant you know gets messed with by the landlord we will all be there to protect them and the best part about it is you take out or you add a middle person now right it's not a tenant talking to the landlord directly it's like we as the tenant union Mm -hmm. will speak for this tenant you're not talking to them you will go through us is there a tenant union or is this something that you want to create no it's happening it's in it we have three buildings and we're we're happy to have more when you join us. What are the three buildings? Um, it's four zero zero one. I'm not going to say the address of mine, but the Vulcan Lofts. Mm. And there's one called the Bakery. It used to be this massive. Um, I wonder if it's this one. Do you know what type of factory this was? All I know is it's in West Oakland. I this haven't was been there. a uh, an old light uh, lighting oh, factory. They used to do lights okay. for like cars and shit. Ours was a steel mill. Yeah. So yours looks healthier than our nice yeah. floors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, where do you see yourself in the next uh, <laughs> five years? Seems like forever, but let's say, what? Where do you see yourself in the next two years? Two years, manufacturing in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, I've helped at least a hundred unhoused artists like get their footing. It like they can have renting apartments or you know like stable forty-hour-a-week jobs. Um, what else? I will have one rent control with my building. I will have won the civil suit and then another civil suit with a uh, lift because they don't pay us right. You know, independent contractors, all that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I want my hair to be down longer. Longer? Longer. I want to go like to the buns. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like full hippie formation and... <laughs> The car will be paid off. I'll mm-hmm. have some savings. And then maybe like travel to Nicaragua. Hopefully the hopefully the political unrest gets a little goes in a better direction right now. We'll see. Now of all of all of those things, which one do you really realistically think is gonna happen? All of them. All of them? Yeah. Definitely. Okay. You never done that. You never like manifested something. Just says it, say it, and then will it. Yeah, but I when I manifest when I say something, it's like it's I say realistic shit. I'm not one of those person. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to one of those kids who are like in mm-hmm. high school. I want to be a doctor when I grow up, but <laughs> I get D's and, and um, I get D's in high mm-hmm. school and shit. Like, no, I'm not. That's really I'm not gonna. I'm a realist. Like, 
I'm not going to say I want to get, I want to be a doctor if I'm not getting good grades. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I'm not no, going to say I want to be a, pro- I don't, I'm not going to say I want to be a professional athlete, but I suck at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> like I stick to like facts and like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, no, I think all these things will happen. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, so what, what else are you, um, like working on right now? So. I'm very lucky to have linked up with um, Fantastic Negrito. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. The name sounds familiar, but um, enlighten me. Of course. Um, he's, I consider him to be like. A he's sp- an artist, right? Like a, He's a musician. Yeah, I think I saw him at the Black Joy Parade. Oh, good. He's like a Spanish. No, he's, um, he can, well, long story. He's, <laughs> he's black. But his dad is from Africa, so it's a little different um, mm. culturized. And he had like 12 siblings growing up, and he grew up in Oakland and Berkeley. And yeah, so I'm designing for him, and it feels amazing. And he's like this politically minded. Like, what are you designing? All kinds of things. So pretty much his clothes that he's tired of, you know, like it's time to repurpose them. I just put funky fabrics and crazy kind of kaleidoscope formations. I extend some of his clothes that don't fit, you know? And yeah, I just embellish stuff and make them like really loud and rock star. Um, okay. What else? <laughs> so I'm doing that. Oh, okay. So the dream, I told you I'm a sewing and uh, acting teacher for elementary school age children. Mm-hmm. So right now I have a summer camp and I was supposed to expand it to Oakland this year, but it's not happening. I might do like a virtual thing. I hate, I, I'm so tired of these virtual. <laughs> I don't want to go on a virtual happy hour. I don't want to go on a I virtual No, Yeah, you don't seem scared of the virus at all, which is refreshing. I, I expected mean, to come in here like with the mask and gloves. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. But um, the dream is to have a traveling fashion program in every single school in Oakland, like a six-month, and not only teach children body positivity, inclusivity, and that all of them have that, like, that talent they can unleash. Um, we're going to make them amazing seamstresses, like all seamstresses and tailors, all on the sewing machine. Like we have kindergartners who can do the sewing machine, make couture hand-sewn dresses. It's just like, and when they do a runway, it's it's something else. Like to have the shy kid or, you know, the slow to warm up kid <laughs> feeling themselves on the yeah. runway. It's It's magic. Okay. Well, you have a lot of shit going on. Um, <laughs> This is the point where you can like promote, um, just promote whatever you want to promote. Like, if you want to give out your like email, or if you want to give out your Instagram, yeah, if you want to give out your website, uh, if you want to tell the people, the thousands and thousands of people who are, are going to listen to this, how to uh, reach you around the world, yeah, how to reach you, keep in contact with you, support your tiny house cause. Mm-hmm. Um, this is your. Your little five minutes to promote. So So, whatever you want to say. Thanks. So for the fashion brand, we're called Casually Uncommon. And you can go on Facebook or Instagram with that name. 
And then for our website, it's www.casuallyuncommon.com. And for the tiny homes, please Venmo us. We're raising money to fix the windows of a woman's car. She lives in her van and it's unsafe right now. We're trying to raise $600. So this will be for Sarah. She's an artist. She's a painter and she's in her sixties and she's super cool. Um, Venmo unhoused artist aid. And you can also find unhoused artist aid on Facebook or Instagram. And then our website is www.unhoused-artist-aid.org. And I'm joining a mask making startup and it's a charity. So they're luxurious masks. Every one that you buy three, you get to choose whether they go to hospital, um, frontline workers or to unhoused people. And that's called masquerade masks. It's www.masquerademasks.com. Let me make sure that that's with an S at the end. And that's also on Facebook. Yes, it's masks with an S. Okay, cool. And yeah, that would be all of them. Okay, it works. <laughs> <laughs> I won't promote my summer camp because that's not happening this year, but... All right, well, you heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> Anne-Marie Bustamante or Bustamante? Bustamante. Anne-Marie Bustamante, um, a very, very talented, very uh, social acting woman, um, <laughs> down with the causes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, please, please support all the shit that she said. Just, I mean, supporting, you can just go on. Yeah, see Whatever for yourself. Web, yeah, just go on. It doesn't support doesn't mean give money. Like you could just support by giving time. You can support mm. by just fucking liking a picture or whatever, or just going on her information and then passing it on to someone. <laughs> That's support too. That's so nice. support is not all about just giving money. But if you can give money, old girl needs six hundred dollars for them for them windows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, because being a woman by yourself in Oakland is dangerous. Whether you're homeless or not, whether you're homeless, broke, or whether you are rich, walking a dog on the street, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah, support and thank you, Anne Marie, for gracing me with your presence. Of I enjoyed this Anytime. talk. Anytime, yeah, thank you. And yeah, let's 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 keep in touch. Let's do some things. Yes. All right, this is Everyday Celebrity. We are out. You. Yeah.